0: We need to sort of help people rethink the world to be re enchanted.
1: You are listening to the Artisan Tree Podcast, a conversational journey through art and faith, episode 18. Last week, I shared some of my thoughts on storytelling and how Christian writers can convey a hope that is both miraculous and true to our human experiences. This week, I invite Nick Barrett, Ph.D. student in theology and literature, to join in on the conversation. Listen in as Nick shares with us how Christian artists and writers have an opportunity to help a disenchanted generation see the world in a whole new way. As Nick states, one hopes that what literary art can and will do is invite people to rethink the world in different terms. Hey everybody, Jason Link here. Welcome to the Artisan Tree Podcast. Thanks for listening. The Artisan Tree Podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment and show notes are found at artisantree.org. Come back often and feel free to connect on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can also follow me on Facebook. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get on to the show. Okay, so here we are with Nick Barrett. Nick, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
0: Hi, well, it's nice to be here. Um, Yeah, I am a student here at Fuller Theological Seminary. I'm studying theology. I'm working on a PhD uh, in theology and art, but specifically looking at theology and literature and the kind of sacramentality Mm -hmm. of literature, the way that Mm. it allows uh, in its convention and its various form to create a space where readers can have an experience with God in some way or mm-hmm. another. Um, I have a background in English literature. I did a master's degree at UC Irvine in English literature, um, spent some time reading classics there and things like that, uh, and then another degree in biblical studies. So,
1: so it's safe to say you're well-read. Uh, I, I suppose, I suppose. <laughs> well, good, good. Well, we're coming to you today with a, a specific question. From there, we'll work our way out yeah. uh, to liter- literature in general and writing in general. But we're talking about this idea of deus ex machina mm-hmm. and kind of hope that we kind of have for a, of this in-breaking of a of a force that's more powerful and benevolent than we are mm-hmm. coming into the world and kind of... Shaping our reality. Um, a lot of people would call that Deus ex machina. In literature, um, mm-hmm. it's sort of a, it's sort of something you don't want to do. It's mm-hmm. sort of a, it's frowned upon because the characters aren't, they aren't solving their own problems. <laughs> their problems are getting solved for them by something else, and it's sort of like, oh, that's a cheap, cheap way out. Mm-hmm. Yet at the same time, although it's a, it's sort of frowned upon, these are sometimes the best parts of movies, mm-hmm. and people like sort of get that, like that. That motion in their stomach and in their chest, and Mm -hmm. when they when they see like the good guys come in, and like although it's it's their dark in the darkest hour, the force of good comes sweeping in, and then we have that like oh my gosh this is great. Mm -hmm. What what are your responses to this? Are there times where Deus Ex Machina is good, or are there forms that are that are well crafted, and are there forms that are poorly crafted? Is, Mm -hmm. Is there a difference? Yeah. Well.
0: In my in my opinion, uh, I, I I sort of feel that the the form that is less desirable is the most obvious. I prefer when art is is a little more subtle and mm. clever in the way that it will bring in some kind of figuration of power, uh, like you speak of. I I think the tradition of of the Deus ex Machina is is an interesting one one that is probably more broadly could be more broadly conceived of in terms of mystery. Um, I think a lot of fiction writers uh, do actually not shy away from the Deus Ex mm-hmm. Machina, but they probably wouldn't wouldn't call it that if they were pushed into a corner and say like <laughs> that's what I'm using here. But yeah. um, the idea that you have a story that uh, that does have a kind of salvation that is either ironic or Uh, unpredicted or unknowable that something kind of unforeseeable comes from the outside and uh, intervenes breaks in as it were Uh, this this concept i think does help dramatic action move forward in a way that's suspenseful that's interesting and that does create a twist obviously um, and something that is exciting for for viewers for readers so I, i i think but i think it, it takes the form of mystery probably more often than not. And what I mean by mystery is some kind of nameless, faceless uh, presence or, or figuration of power that kind of disrupts the goings-on inside of that narrative world. Hmm. So Flannery O'Connor comes to mind, for example. Her stories are sort of filled with these moments where uh, some, some kind of unlikely force of mystery just breaks in and, and all of the wrong people end up getting grace. you know <laughs> All the people who you don't want to get grace who you don't don't want to be saved end up getting rescued in some way uh, and and there's this sort of frustration but then kind of relief that you might feel and and yet it's clever, it's surprising. Uh, so I, I, I think it's it's actually more frequent than people would probably want to admit. Um, I've only given, you know, a, a one example, but I think even, even in, like, for example, the African-American literary tradition um, is filled with with probably what would be considered a form of the deus ex machina, but it could be seen as mystery, again, uh, Frederick Douglass's writings. Um, mm-hmm. It's not simply a person who, who wills to power a particular outcome, but it's a person who, who finds himself helped by unlikely people. There's interventions from the outside constantly. There's hmm. uh, the force of nature, forces of nature uh, from the outside kind of swaying the outcome of the story as well. So there's always something bigger than just the character's willpower at work that hmm. leads to a particular end. And, and I think that's what makes it interesting, is that we live in a world that's complex, that's encha- enchanted, and is not so easy to predict. So would you
1: say, getting to the faith aspect of this, that this is a tool that reflects or this is a tool that reflects God? I mean, the name Deus Ex Machina, God in the Machine, kind of mm-hmm. hints at that, but would you say that these examples that you gave reflect a God who comes in on unexpected moments and sort of
0: Yeah, I mean I think it certainly Reflects that more for the Christian reader mm-hmm. than than mm-hmm. for the non-Christian reader. So I mean, clearly the the way that we approach art will always be sort of predetermined by our our prevailing worldview or, or mm-hmm. the lenses that we wear, mm-hmm. as it were. So I mean, if I am a sort of uh, staunch atheist, then I'm mm-hmm. probably going to come to literature with that that predetermined mindset already mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. so that whatever sort of goings-on that break in inside of that narrative world and affect uh you know the lives of characters i'm probably less likely to see that as some figuration of god but rather hmm. that's just the, that's just kind of the law of nature or um, some kind of some sort of chance or happenstance or something like that that um, i could i could probably talk away but if i'm a christian i'm probably likely to see that or want to see that as some kind of divine a- action unfolding within the plot so i think it depends on how you come to the
1: text so you bring up an interesting point that some a person's worldview and perspective shapes how they read Mm -hmm. let's move on to ask how do how does what we read shape our worldview and perspective in turn that's
0: a great question I, i mean i think it's it's always sort of that ongoing circle of of unknowability i mean you know are you do you are we defined by our being and then that defines our doing or is it what we do that defines who we are? Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's Mm -hmm. this kind of ongoing tension back and forth and I don't know that you really can know. I think what's true is that we seem to be beings that are born into a context, into a place where we come into the world into uh, an infinite number of particularities and those particularities begin to define us and shape us in certain ways. And certainly how we see the world, even the language that we're taught to speak that we don't know is a reliable form of communication, but we assume is because it's what's given to us. Right. So everything is given in some respect and then we take that and uh, and live out of that. And I think then we start to read things, watch things, talk about things, and those things do shape how we see the world. So I suppose, I suppose it would be it would be possible for one to uh, maybe be converted in some way uh, <laughs> to, to have a, have an experience. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I want to say that there is uh, the possibility for a sacramental or, or an encounter of grace in works of imagination. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that's because art functions on a sacramental plane, similar to the way sacraments uh, work. And, and what I mean is that, Sacraments like the bread and wine of, of, of hmm. the church that we use in our worship uh, practices um, are often one thing intending to another thing. And so what I mean is is bread and wine is actually intending to be something like the body and blood of Jesus. Hmm. Okay, now how you break that down in different traditions is, is not the point. But hmm. it's always intending to some other thing, right? Hmm. Well, similarly, works of the imagination are... Are doing that. They mm-hmm. they have the ability by their conventionality, by their by their basic meaning, to move us from one place to another. Right. Mm-hmm. So you like to write fantasy. So mm-hmm. fantasy fiction is very good at this. It it it, mm-hmm. it has the power of transporting you from this world to that world. Mm-hmm. Um, and by being in that world, there's actually a sort of a sort of way of now rethinking and re-seeing this world. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it has. You know, art has the the ability to move us from one one space to another quite easily without us even knowing it, and because it can do that, that means it's 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 fundamentally uh, it's fundamentally based on a kind of action, right? And a mm-hmm. kind of action that that could create the possibility for an encounter. And so, I want to say that art, just
1: by its nature, has that kind of sacramental possibility. Where have you seen the? sacramental or the intending take place in literature specifically? yeah
0: well lots of places um the two things that come to mind are the two people that i mentioned earlier the two mm-hmm. uh, uh one flannery o'connor uh, specifically and they uh interest it's interesting because of the way that objects are are at play inside of her stories so you have strange figures kind of uh, roaming around a town um, with all sorts of you know nasty prejudices, convinced that uh, the 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 city is is basically hell, and that mm. you know the, the place to be is the country. And then all of a sudden, in a, in a in a very strange moment, they they bump into this yard statue that's sort of a figure uh, of a it's a cliched figure of a person, and they they run into that and kind of have this weird moment where they realize the artifice of their prejudice and it's Mm. kind of confronted to them in a very powerful way, but it also collapses the conflict that they had had going on between them as they were walking around kind of fighting with each other. And then there's a moment where one of the figures even has an encounter with, with mystery, with God really after having encountered this statue. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's because in some way the statue kind of became a screen for a crucifix, which became a screen for the presence of Jesus, right? Mm. So, so the object is not Christ, but it looks like Christ and then it's experienced like Christ. Mm. Uh, and, and so Mm -hmm. it's, it's an object that has that, that sort of power. So that, that's a very, very simple, clear, um, version of, of a sacramental encounter in narrative. But the other one I mentioned earlier was Frederick Douglass, Mm. So Frederick Douglass, who's not a Christian, uh, explicitly, although uh, some some theologians and some um, black literary critics would argue that he was. I mean, it, it just depends, like, who's, who's reading hmm. Douglass from what perspective. But he may have been, or at least it, it would be fair to say he was... Not the kind of Christian that most white Christians were um, hmm. during hmm. during his day. So hmm. he was a he he didn't think that they took the gospel seriously, and in, in many ways he was right. Hmm. But Frederick Douglass, his narratives, uh, specifically, there was one short story he wrote about a, a fugitive outlaw who goes on the run, and without sort of telling the whole story, basically, it's it's all sorts of things that. Aid his escape from, mm. and and also that protect him in his act of fugitivity from forests burning down and in that way purging him out of a space mm. uh, to um, random chance encounters or we might say chance you know in quotes encounters with with uh, with people who were sort of abolitionists um, mm. to sort of strangers on the road that would end up you know giving him food when he didn't have it. Um, and then there's an ability for him and his friends to get out of the, their chains when they're re-caught at a certain point in the story, and they can mm. get out of those chains because someone slips them a, a little file to saw their way out. So there's all these sort of like random things that kind of happen, right. and it seems unlikely that that would just sort of go on. But the way that Douglas sets it up, you can't help but see it as as some kind of some kind of sacramental account. There's just just It just seems like the world is lending itself to a kind of a kind of grace, gracious, a graciousness that is is seeking his liberty more than he himself is the character, mm-hmm. um, and 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 wants to see to it at the end, so that even the storms and the fires of the world are kind of on his fighting on his behalf,
1: you know. which leads us back to the Deus Ex Machina kind yeah. of like the the inbreaking of uh, a greater power. Mm-hmm. So writers who are Christians, let's talk about what they can do. Those who are listening to the program who are thinking, okay, how can I become a Christian who's a writer? And we can talk about Christian literature. And we kind of, let's put that term on trial. Like, what is Christian literature? Hmm. And, and should that term even exist? One time, Many times we think of Christian literature, we're actually thinking of Christian propaganda. And the two are very different. Um, yeah. Could you kind of give us your thoughts on like the differences between... Christian literature, Christian propaganda, and, and even the use of those terms?
0: Yeah, well, um, I'm not sure that I know uh, enough about sort of Christian literature in its own right, really, to, to, to <laughs> talk about it in that sort of way. Because I think, and, and that may sound strange, but really I think that's because literary artists who are Christians, like take Dante, for example, or or even uh, Milton, right? Mm-hmm. But, I don't think Dante or Milton um, conceived in thems- of themselves and their work as cr- a Christian literature. Mm-hmm. I think they just saw themselves as as Christians who were poets, right, mm-hmm. and who wrote, mm-hmm. um, who who were creating art mm-hmm. and sharing that with the world. And-, and-, and because their subject matter was God, their subject matter was. Uh, was certainly humanity in that ac- encounter with God. I don't know that they felt like they were doing anything specifically... Well, I-, I think they both thought they were doing something unique, but I don't think that they felt like they were starting a new genre, perhaps, mm-hmm. um, uh, or, or something something that specific. So, so that
1: term seems to trouble you, the term Christian literature seems to... A, a little bit, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Sort of like Christian music troubles me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I... I, I don't know. This might be my own. This might just be my own personal um, sort of issue. But I, yeah, I, I, I think Christians better serve the community and their 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 community of faith and the art world by just being artists and just contributing to it um, and letting <laughs> the art speak for itself. Um, the idea of I remember when I was younger uh, going to Christian music stores and you would you would see these bands that would you know put out cds and uh you know back when there were cds um and and, uh it would it would be like this band sounds like this other band and it would name some secular band right right and so it was sort of like trying to say we we get that in other words we get that you prefer secular things (laughs) but we're trying to give you the christian version of that secular thing right? right and and that always sort of rubbed me the wrong way. But then there were there were a, a number of Christian bands who came along later um, that really sort of just didn't bother with that. They didn't bother with that. We're trying to be the Christian. We're trying to be a Christian band or the Christian version of some other band. But they were just a band. But they were very Christian.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And those were my favorite bands. Those were some of my favorite bands uh, because they mm-hmm. were just. And I think it was a. I guess what I'm saying is there was a sense in which the artist was just really kind of owning. Uh, their 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 faith, but then contributing to the world as though they're no different than any other artists. Hmm. And that they are entering the conversation as a very capable, qualified artist that is, is offering a vision of the way things are just like anyone else. And they hmm. have a right to be in that conversation as much as anyone else does. So I, I found that to be something I respected a little bit more. Um, hmm. I don't know if that makes sense, but I... I, right. I yeah, so... So
1: in literature... Have, but... Bring it back to literature. Yeah, how, pers- how would you say, like the writer who's like, okay, I, mm-hmm. I'm a person of faith, yeah, and I feel that this is my ministry is writing. Mm-hmm. What do they do?
0: The best thing to do would be to to write in a way that is honest, honest to what you see, truthful to what you see, with a kind of freedom to serving the craft in the most uh, genuine kind of uh, clear minded way that you can. I I um, I think it's it's uh, it's troubling to me when um, art becomes a little bit sterile uh, mm-hmm. because it's, you know, like literary art can become a little bit sterile because it's, uh, maybe it's young adult fiction or maybe mm-hmm. it's, maybe it's written by a Christian and they want to give this to children in the, in the, you know, community of faith. So they want to say, well, you know, we, we can't have, we can't have, you know, kind of troubling figurations in the text or we can't have, you know, bad language or we can't have, sex or, or or violence or things like that. Well, okay, you know, I, I understand that. I understand that impulse, but but that's not the world. The world we live in is violent.
1: That's not the Bible either. <laughs>
0: right. It certainly isn't the Bible. Yeah. Um and I, I I think art isn't trying to create a kind of voyeurism or a, a like a, you know, a, isn't trying to kind of pleasure people with those things, but what it is doing is allowing us to experience them, to see them through a different set of eyes, and to encounter those things, and to then it then invites us to consider uh, the good or the bad of that, and also to consider whatever should be considered beyond that. Um, perhaps uh, where is God in this world? And 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 I think just by just by the nature of art, uh, specifically literary art, being about the task of building worlds, every. Literary domain has a kind of theology that's at play there, hmm. even if it's you know, hmm. uh, written by someone who's not a believer. Uh, hmm. So and that's because it's inherently doing theology, it may be accidental, it may not even be good theology, but it's hmm. doing something theologically
1: nonetheless. So, when you say that the artist is to be genuine, yeah, what what is uh, what's accomplished through that genuineness? Well. I, I'm maybe maybe truthfulness
0: is the you know another another way of talking about it but I think it's what's accomplished is uh, the ability to feel and see something true and real right that that to encounter a, a representation of the world that makes sense that uh, that it seems believable mm-hmm. um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that it has that it that it has to be Uh, A a, a fiction world that is based on this world but like it could be a fiction like you know Narnia and and, you know the works of you know Lewis and Tolkien I mean that is those stories are so true about the world we live in Mm -hmm. so true Mm -hmm. Um, but that's because because their art is truthful right because their art is genuine in the way that it it creates portraits of characters and the tensions between them and the struggles they have and Mm -hmm. there are so many things we could say about it but it's Those writers do not shy away from giving us uh, humanity as it is Mm -hmm. and letting us feel it and see it for what it is. Uh, So that's, I think, what I mean is that... And so when
1: we encounter the truthfulness of what it means to be human, how do we encounter God in, in the context of literature? How do we encounter God in that space?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's difficult to pin that down, right? Is it up to the reader?
1: Is that, that we kind of go back to Well,
0: it could be in some ways, but I mean, again, like I'd want to say that it's, that there's the possibility for a sacramental point of contact. So I think it's, it's unknowable exactly how someone will encounter God or or perhaps we could say to what extent or in what way someone will encounter God in a piece of uh, literary art. But um, one hopes that uh that people will and that it will be uh, an experience that will maybe invite them to think in some new way or different way about who they are and what the world is and maybe that there's more that's going on in the world around them than they're able to sort of talk away with the laws of physics or with mm-hmm. you know human chance but maybe to see the world in a more complex way i mean part of the problem i think is that We are in a a thoroughly secularized world now. And and sort of around the time of the Reformation, uh, a little bit before humanism kind of was on the rise, the distance between clergy and laity was increasing. There were a huge number of factors, but sort of the outcome was that the world, the way the world was seen became very disenchanted, and people stopped seeing the world as a place that was sort of electric with power and electric with, with the plausibility of the divine, so for the last 500 years, roughly we've been living in this 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 disenchanted world where mm. uh, the world is mostly mechanistically interpreted and understood and so I, I think it's it's that has shaped the way that our civil societies account for the privilege of human will and over mm. anything else And so people tend to come to texts with a kind of... A suspicion, I guess, of the supernatural because mm-hmm. they're trained and conditioned by history and their experience in the Western world to to not see the world as this kind of electric living place that houses the possibility of God. So mm-hmm. I think it's... In, in that way, maybe that's part of what one hopes art, literary art can and will do is that it invites people to rethink of the world on different terms, perhaps in less me- mechanistic terms.
1: You have this God who breaks into reality in the form of Christ mm-hmm. and he stands before Pontius Pilate and Pontius Pilate says, what is truth? Mm-hmm. And just doesn't say anything mm-hmm. because he is the truth. Yeah. And so it sounds like what you're saying is that we have a world that has Pontius Pilate's decision in front of it. Is it going to recognize that truth is standing right in front of its face mm-hmm. or is it going to just wash its hands? Yeah. And so, I mean, I guess we could say that uh, the job of artist is to say, "Hey, no, this this is the inbreaking of God right here." This mm-hmm. is uh, that could be one of our roles mm-hmm. is to like say, "Hey," and, and it sounds like what you're saying is that we're we're pushing with the help of the Holy Spirit, we're pushing people to see that this world is more. There's more to it to be enchanted with the world. Yeah. again. is that a fair right. assumption? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Saying? Yeah, I, I mean, I think you know to. Maybe there, maybe there's another Lewis or Tolkien among us who will be able to kind of create these, uh, you know, analogous, you know, figurations of the gospel in, in an enchanted world. I mean, who knows? Maybe <laughs> that's you. Uh, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, 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 I'm just not. I'm not sure that that kind of explicit approach. And, and mm. I, they weren't even explicit, really. They were mm. very kind of indirect. But um, I don't know if we're, if we're best served with that right now Mm -hmm. the world as it stands i think we need we need art that helps people just begin with the the lowest Mm -hmm. possible denominator i think in 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 the sense that we need to sort of help people rethink about the world as more as less mechanistic and more enchanted like as i mentioned because then we now have the conditions that are even possible to, to talk about a kind of sex machina encounter or an encounter with the divine now for the Christian it's totally that's the world we live in so hmm. you know it's not it's not a stretch to, to see some kind of inbreaking power unfold around us but for those who are not Christian I hmm. think and thoroughly sort of uh, conditioned to a kind of uh, materialist view of the world I think they need to be re-enchanted so I think the the art community can serve them in particular by helping them um, maybe, maybe second guess what they, what they think they know in some ways. And that
1: is, uh, just a, just a really easy task, right? Just (laughs) make the world believe again. And yeah, no small task at all. So, uh, wow. You've given us a, a big responsibility as writers and creatives. Um, we thank you, Nick, for being on the program. It's a pleasure to be here. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. This has been the Artisan Tree Podcast. For more information, you can visit artisantree.org or epicjason.com. Thank you for listening, and be blessed.